I want to see the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park play basketball against the basketball players from Hustle. <laughs> Who wins? It's not for me to say. I still, I want to see a T-Rex try to dribble a ball at least. <laughs> oh, you're in trouble now. What? Why? 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 Today on IMDb is Obsessed, we have two titans of the silver screen going head to head. And to be honest, we're kind of obsessed with both of them for very different reasons. But let's first bring in a titan of the writer's room. Her punchlines hit harder than her punches, which is good because she can kick my butt with either. It's IMDb contributor Gina Ippolito. Hi, Gina. Hi. Oh, she's revved up and ready to go. How you doing this week, Gina? You've been covering a couple junkets for us lately. You just did The Boys Season 3, which is now on Prime Video, and also Love, Victor as well, right? Which is just about to premiere on Hulu and Disney Plus on June 15th. Yeah, both casts were lovely to talk to. I binge-watched all of The Boys Seasons 1 and 2 again for the second time right before this, and then getting to see Season 3 early was quite a delight. Highly recommend. Hit me with your hardest hitting question. What was your hardball that you threw at them this week? I'll see if I can answer it. And then I got one for you because I've been covering some junkets too. Ooh, okay. Uh, uh, so I know that they get asked the what superpower would you want question a lot. So I actually asked them, if you only had superpowers for 24 hours, what would you do for those 24 hours? Ooh, that's good. Okay, I'm going I'm going speedster. I'm going flash and I'm just taking a trip around the world, going to all the places I've always wanted to see. You know, like I, I know that you save so much on airfare and I can finally run across the ocean like I've always wanted to. It'd be a super fun thing. Maybe even go fast enough to spin the planet backwards <laughs> and turn back time. Oh. What about you, Gina? What are, what's your superpower for you 24 hours? You know what? I, I would have said the same thing or I would have said flying so that I could take some sweet vacation somewhere. But then one of them gave the answer of time travel, and it's all I can think about because because then those twenty four hours become meaningless. That's a meaningless that you you have a TARDIS at your hands. You can spend an eternity exploring those twenty four hours. So I, I right. gotta go with you, that. Yeah, you just beat the genie at his own game at this one. Like you <laughs> you figured out how to wish for more wishes. That's awesome. Perfect. Exactly. Exactly. Here's my hardball question, and it actually was inspired by you. Uh, I got to speak with the cast and director of Nope this week. I'm not even getting to see it yet. We're just, you know, talking about it early on, and I just kind of threw some questions, but I, I threw the question that you you teed up to me. Fans theorize that Nope stands for not of planet Earth. What four words best describe Nope? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, nobody could really give many plot details away. And one actor, Brandon Perea, tried to make a backronym. So he was going for like, never obliterate people. And I was like, no, 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 you don't have to keep it to N-O-P-E. Just, just give me four <laughs> words to describe the plot. <laughs> oh, I was thinking you had to keep it to you N-O-P-E were trying, uh, too. See, I, this uh, question's too hard. I'm making it harder than it needs oh to be. Oh my gosh. No, see? I came up with uh, no one predicts everything. Because Ooh. no one no one knows what's going on in that movie. People are predicting things. They might get one or two things right, but no one predicts everything. That is perfect. All of those interviews will be up on IMDb soon, and we'll link to them in the show notes as well. And hey, if you like what you hear on IMDb is Obsessed, drop us a rating review in your favorite podcast app, because that always really helps us out. Now, Gina, let's get to the main event. 
All right, I'm going to channel my best Michael Buffer uh, boxing announcer for this one. In this corner, and only in theaters, weighing in at a combined $5 billion at the box office, representing the great island nation of Isla Nublar, a sequel $65 million and 29 years in the making, it's Jurassic World Dominion! And The Challenger, now streaming into your homes via Netflix and also in select theaters, tipping the scales at over $5 billion at the box office. His new film, Hustle, has him busting out his dramatic chops once more as a world-tripping basketball scout trying to make good. Wearing old gym shorts and a laundry day hoodie, it's Stan and Judy's kid, Adam Sandler. It was okay, right? I was great. Kind of Michael Buffery? Okay, okay, good, good. Well, we'll swing back around to Hustle, but Jurassic World Dominion, it's fresh on our minds. Gina and I saw it last night. Gina, do you want to T-Rex this one up for us? Oh, well, now I don't. But I will. <laughs> I, I teed at the very beginning that your punchlines can kick my butt. So there we go. No, I love it. I love a dinosaur pun. Okay. So yes, we just saw it last night. So it's fresh in my brain. This threequel of the Jurassic World franchise and sixquel of the Jurassic franchise ties almost every dangling thread together as Chris Pratzo and Grady, Bryce Dallas Howard's Claire Deering of the World Films team with the Park Pals, Laura Dern's Ellie Sattler, Samuel's Alan Grant, and Jeff Goldblum's Ian Malcolm to stop an evil tech billionaire from destroying the Earth. So if only we had these heroes in real life. This one was fun. We had a good time last night, right, Gina? What'd you think? Yeah, I, I dug it. I mean, anytime, anytime I'm seeing Laura Dern and Samuel on screen together, I am digging it. Like, their chemistry was amazing. They're both so hot. It got to the point where I didn't want anyone to cut away from them. I wanted more of them than I wanted of, of the, the dinosaurs or the other cast. But yeah, it was a fun time. We 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 dug it. Yeah, I mean, we said last week when we were talking about this as our summer movie preview, we weren't sure that they were going to be a major part of the plot, right? Like we thought maybe it was a cameo. Maybe we've seen most of what is, uh, you know, their part of the movie in the trailers, but they were a solid B plot. This is still Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard's movie for the most part, but they were driving enough of the action. They had an adventure to go on. There were a lot of silly hijinks with the two of them. And like we said, their chemistry is still awesome after all these years. The will they, won't they of the original Jurassic Park is recaptured. And I was all for it. Now, let's talk about the sweet dino action in this movie. The dinosaurs, pretty great, right? Yeah, they have some new ones in there like they do with every movie. They look cool. Uh, they still have some of the original heroes in there. You know, there's still a T-Rex in there. I want to watch just a movie of just the dinosaurs. I don't even need the people. I just want the dinosaurs like going about their everyday life. <laughs> so I want to see them just, you know, crossing the street in front of a Starbucks and, and you know, someone accidentally yeah. spilling coffee on themselves because they're like, whoa, a dinosaur. I mean, we got tastes of that. I mean, there was that great construction site sequence where they had to get the uh, Brachiosaurus, Brontosaurus. I'm not sure which one of dinosaur. the big ones. Yeah. When I was when I was a kid, I would have known every single one of these dinosaurs names. But now I uh, those names have slipped from my mind, unfortunately. But yeah, getting them to move off of the construction site to get away from the logging and gently coexist, which was a fun thing to see and, yeah. and a new thing, you know, new, new twist for these movies. Yeah, I wanted more of that stuff. It's been well established now that I'm an Easter egg freak. I wish I'd watched the first three Jurassic Parks. I wish I'd watched the two because there were so many little references and little Easter eggs in here. And while I think we're on the same page, we caught some of them. We definitely did not catch all of them. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, a light spoiler, the Barbasol can from the original one makes an appearance. We both gasped uh-huh. very excitedly. <laughs> it was like maybe our favorite cameo from the film, but there's also, you know, a heavily relied upon plot from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom about the Maisie slash Charlotte Lockwood human cloning aspect that I did not recall as strongly as things that I remembered in the previous, you know, franchise, uh, you know, as a whole. And they rely so heavily on that, that it would definitely help to have a refresher to go back and watch Fallen Kingdom for some of that. Still followed it. Don't worry. It's a big blockbuster. (laughs) It's got a lot going on. You know, I wasn't lost. Uh, You know, dinosaurs are are rampaging the earth. They get that much of it. But yeah, that that got very complicated. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of plot in this movie. So if you're going into it, hoping that the the sort of magic of the original of just what if there was a dinosaur park and the dinosaurs got loose? This is like, what if there were dinosaurs, but here's nine other plots. The cast sort of got a little bloated. There's a gang that they spend a little bit of time on that then magically goes away halfway through the movie. So a a lot of the stuff and a lot of people and a lot of dinosaurs stuffed into this. Oh, yeah. There's 45 minutes, I think, of like character introductions of like connecting them all and bringing back the original cast and bringing back the Jurassic World cast. And then finally, you're just like, come on, get them, get them going. Like, let's let's get these dinos in action here. We know they're going to escape. We know bad stuff's going to happen. Let's get there. Yeah, I, I would have been perfectly happy if it was just like a day in the life of, of Laura Dern and Sam Neill and they're surrounded by dinosaurs. I basically want a Flintstones reboot with them as Fred and Wilma <laughs> and then all of these terrifying slash adorable dinosaurs are their various trash compactors and pets and weed whackers. I'm so on board for that. I mean, when Laura Dern interacts with one of the, I mean, there's such, there's really good VFX dinosaurs through this, of course. They look very realistic, but every time they would interact with an animatronic, uh, you know, they have the animatronic of the baby, baby velociraptor, but there's the scene where Laura Dern pets a, I think like a baby triceratops. Yes. It is. Yes. It is so, it's like baby Yoda level cute. Like, you know, just like one of those moments where it was like, I hope they start putting these in the real world. So yeah. And just this, like that. They're so cute. And this in itself was a was a was a reference uh, Easter right. egg because in the original movie, she's helping the sick one. I was kind of hoping she would, you know, like get sneezed on or land in poop or something yeah. again. But I guess they did enough to her in this film. But yeah, I want to go back. I want to binge watch all the other movies so that I can be like, oh, that's why someone in the audience clapped for this one one shot that they had on a fern or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, I I was kind of hoping the one Easter egg that would come back is that Jimmy Buffett would be running out of a Margaritaville with two margaritas <laughs> in his hand while getting dive bombed by pterodactyls like the first Jurassic World. That's my favorite Easter egg. I'm surprised that uh, director Colin Trevorrow didn't swing back around for a victory lap on that somewhere. But unfortunately, there was just too much going on in this movie. You know, <laughs> I, I, it's Buffett probably cameo. in the director's cut. Oh, phew. Okay. Well, we'll have to wait for that to come out on DVD. Um, The only other thing I want to say in far as that is, uh, you know, they they are still they're adding so many dinosaurs. They're also evolving the dinosaurs. They're finding these kind of like bird monster dinosaur hybrids. And I don't like them nearly (laughs) as much as the other dinosaurs. I mean, I just thought of them purely from, you know, this movie originally. The first Jurassic Park came out when I was eight years old, 1993, and I owned every single toy. Uh, I loved them. I had the command center. Thank you, mom and dad. It was very important to me. I had every dinosaur toy that I could, you know, that I could get my hands on. These bird monsters 
are too uh, terrifying and repugnant and weird looking to be a part of it. That that one with the long fingers and the kind of like oh, yeah. hair over it that looks kind of like a Skeksy from uh, yes. Dark Crystal. Yeah. Very disturbing. And especially, you know, in its fight with the new T-Rex was just monstrous looking dinosaur. Yeah, they do a good job, though, in these films of making each movie have another terror. Because in the first one, it was just you saw that T-Rex. You were like, holy crap, dinosaurs yeah. are real. How are they doing this? And then in everyone since then, they were like, well, how do we scare an audience that already saw a T-Rex before CGI and stuff w- was cool? And and they've managed to do it every, every like, yeah. I, like, you know, the pterodactyls in the fog in the second one, like, scared the crap out of me. And then they had the underwater ones. And in this one, they just threw everything at the wall. They were like, let's yeah. try and make every new dinosaur we introduce either terrifying or adorable like Grogu. Well, if you want to hear more about those terrifying dinos, uh, one of which Chris Pratt calls Thanksgiving Gone Wrong. I think it's that swimming, swimming feathered one. Um, You can check out the IMDb interview with the cast. It's another one we'll link in the show notes. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, it's time to leave the Jurassic in the past and look to the future, our other contender. It's Hustle. Let's talk about this. If you don't know, this stars Adam Sandler as a Philadelphia 76ers basketball scout who stakes his whole career on a Spanish street baller played by real Utah jazz power forward Juancho Hernan Gomez. Yeah, I I really I was not expecting to like this one as much as I did. I I enjoy a good sports movie, but they're not the first thing I normally go to. And I ended up loving this. Like I've already recommended it to several friends. I think it's just really well written, really well acted. Uh, and and despite not really knowing who most of the basketball players were in it or who were involved with it, I still was amazed by just the level of play that they're showing on film and how cool they made basketball look. Yeah, I am not a sporto by any means. I I don't follow any professional sports. All the basketball references and Easter eggs in this movie, uh, they're not even Easter eggs. They're cameos. They're real people. Uh, You know, Easter eggs is more for our nerdy movies that we love. I mean, Easter eggs could still be about people if if it's someone really obscure, which to me is, you know, basketball players are pretty obscure. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So we're not sportos. All of those went over our heads. Like, I don't know, pretty much every pass that's been thrown at us in our lives. Uh, but I just got to say, when when the credits put up Anthony Edwards at the beginning, I was like, oh, yeah, Goose is in this movie. <laughs> I was very excited to see Goose from Top Gun and, you know, Anthony Edwards, who's on ER forever. Dr. Green uh, turns out that is a the also the name of a uh, pro basketball player for the Minnesota Timberwolves, Anthony Antman Edwards, uh, who was awesome in this movie as well. Yeah. I just was a little disappointed he wasn't the Anthony Edwards I was expecting. You know what? The same thing. I was telling a friend, I was telling a friend about this and I was like, oh, like Adam Sandler is in it, Queen Latifah and Anthony Edwards. I thought the exact same thing. And it was not until the end of the movie when they were playing the credits that I was like, oh yeah, okay. Now I get it. Two people can have the same name. How weird. (laughs) 
the other thing to say about this uh, is that, you know, it is a classic sports redemption movie. Like we we're saying, like, you know, I'm, I'm not huge on sports, but I do love a good sports movie. It's set in Philadelphia. So it's, you know, very much in conversation with the original Rocky movies. But uh, like our producer, Jeff, who said this, who also screened the movie, that it's much it feels much more modern, like Ryan Coogler, and Michael B. Jordan's Creed films, which I totally agree with. It's got that harder edge. It's got that, you know, deeper dramatic pull and just feels like such a good lane for Sandler that I wasn't expecting, you know, when he did come back and did a more and do a more dramatic performance, like an uncut gems, people were really excited and really, you know, like, Oh, this is that, you know, thing that he rarely does. This is the, you know, he pulls out of his back pocket every once in a while, like punch drunk love for Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, and it's just awesome to see him do this. And it's so exciting. I haven't heard that same kind of run up for hustle, but he's really pulling a dramatic real character in this as well. It's, it's not as, you know, stressful or as like dark, I would say as uncut gems is ultimately, but it's still a very grounded character that's very lived in and has a lot of heart to it as well. Yeah. He, there's a line very early on where someone asks him like about his dreams and he says, I'm a man over 50. I don't have dreams. Oh yeah. And, and his delivery of it, it wasn't like overly serious. It wasn't, but he delivered it as sort of a throwaway line and it, and it just, my, my, my heart broke a little bit for him in that moment. And also I will say, you know, Queen Latifah is in this, she plays his wife and their relationship is so well written and so well acted that every time she was back on screen, I just sort of found myself grinning at the sweetness of yeah. their relationship. And they're not, you know, they're not a young couple. They have a they have a teenage kid who's about to go to college. Uh, and and it's it's just played with such like lived in realism. Like this is a couple that has been through some crap together and has come out the other side. And, and yeah, I, I loved all of it. You point out Queen Latifah. I mean, I think Adam Sandler has a crew of friends and, you know, other comedians that he usually surrounds himself with. He casts his wife in a lot of these movies, you know, they're, they're fun, funny performances, but they're all kind of light, you know, they're, they know they're kind of winking at the audience. Nobody gets that deeply dramatic and like heartfelt in a lot of his more recent fare. But Instead, in this film, director Jeremiah Zagar really surrounds him with heavy hitters. I mean, Ben Foster and Robert Duvall are his co-stars as well. You know, there's a few Sandler cameos, of course, of his friends. But for the most part, he's putting like heavy dramatic actors around him. And I think that makes Sandler have to step up to the plate as well. And then also makes the basketball players have to step up to the plate as well. And and Juancho Hernan Gomez is so good. Yeah. He gives such a solid performance. And this is such a difficult performance to play, you know, a real basketball player who's down on his luck, who's, you know, never played professionally, just play street ball, trying to take care of your family, you know, too, too seriously focused on your family's ever th- dream, right? Same kind of place that Sandler, great parallel to Sandler's character. And Sandler finds him, you know, by chance one night when they're playing, when he's playing street ball and is just like, knows that this guy has something special and stakes everything on him. And it's a hard role to, to balance, right? Like to be something where you're like so talented, but like, don't want, you know, don't believe anybody that's telling you that and like really, you know, reserved and not sure that you can do it. But be an actual pro baller who's already made it. You know, obviously you're pulling from experience, but like he's he's playing for 
uh, you know, uh, the NBA and he's been doing it for years and he can like still go back to his to his roots and find this performance. Yeah, I was impressed with actually all the players performances. You know, they they not all of them have huge roles, but even the even the ones that you only see every now and then, I, I feel like we've all seen those sports movies where you're like, woof, okay, <laughs> this person, yeah, 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 this yeah. is why this person plays soccer. This is why this person plays ba- baseball. Uh, but this was, I could not, I recognized a lot of the players from the 80s and 90s or or even the 70s, but but the new sure. players, I don't know who who they are. And at the end, it... it introduces all of them sort of and shows and shows clips of them playing. And I was surprised actually with some of them. Like I was surprised that the acting is so good. It's, it's a pretty seamless transition between the quote unquote real actors and the basketball players. And I think if you are someone who knows basketball, you'll love this even more because there are, there were things that I did catch. Like there's the famous Allen Iverson speech, which I mainly know because they, they had a whole Ted Lasso episode where Ted Lasso does that Allen Iverson it's not about practice speech. And mm. there's a cameo from Allen Iverson in this. And he's and he says, I'm not talking about practice because this guy doesn't need practice. And and it took me a second. But I was like, I think that was Allen Iverson doing his famous dude, part of his famous speech. So if you're you know, if you are a hardcore and you know all of that stuff already, I think that it's it's just there's going to be scene after scene after scene where there are Easter eggs for you and there are references for you and you're going to find it even more delightful than we did. Yeah. And we just got to call out the, the really amazing writing on this as well. Um, one of the writers, uh, Will Fetters, um, you know, his work from a star is born, which he co-wrote with uh, Bradley Cooper and Eric Roth, who, you know, it more recently has done Dune and Munich. I think it's just such a tightly done script and is able to let Sandler get some of his goofy humor in there. There's a great side running gag of the basketball player who's trying to pretend that he is uh, 22 years old, even though he clearly has like an 18 year old son that shows up on the court with him, <laughs> who I again, a real baller. I'm sorry that I don't I, I didn't recognize him immediately, but such a funny little, you know, goofy Sandler style gag that he would have in his lighter movies. But it fits right in here seamlessly with the more dramatic story and the really great performances from Got everybody involved. Yeah, that was also a scene that I very much enjoyed. You know, and our friend and colleague got a chance to interview the Sandman. She quizzed him about how well he knows his IMDb page. And that's more fun stuff for you to watch that we'll link in the uh, show notes. Um, and yeah, I just I just want to, you know, comparing these two movies, I think it's interesting that the comedy of Jurassic World Dominion worked as well as the drama of Hustle. I was expecting to get a like goofy Sandler movie and, you know, a very dramatic, terrifying Jurassic World movie. But like Jurassic World, the jokes were funny. There was a lot of like silly, you know, dinosaur action and like a lot of like just kind of cruel slapstick where people are just getting taken out by dinosaurs one after another, like as they descended upon the earth. And then I did not see this Sandler dramatic performance coming in this really heartfelt film. So I both these movies surprised me and kind of for opposite reasons. Yeah, I want to see them face off. I want to see the dinosaurs <laughs> from Jurassic Park play basketball against the basketball players yeah. from Hustle. <laughs> Who wins? It's not for me to say. I still I want to see a T-Rex try to dribble a ball at least <laughs> for a second after he probably eats the, you know, the Hustle starting line. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you still want to figure out what to watch next, you got to go to the IMDb What to Watch app on Fire TV. You can play these quick games with your friends and family and they'll help you decide what to watch instead of just, you know, endlessly scrolling until you give up and watch an old rerun of Frasier or something, right? 
Not that there's anything wrong with that, <laughs> but whatever you choose to watch, we want to hear about it. Please tweet at IMDb using the hashtag IMDb is obsessed, or you can always email us at obsessedpodcast at imdb.com. And remember to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Gina, thanks so much. What are you excited about seeing next? There's a lot of good movies out this summer, but I am most excited about the one that I just pitched, Basketball Players versus Dinosaurs. All right, Jurassic World, Dunkasaurus. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>